Was that the sound of you clicking the record button? You bet it was. Mm. I was like, I wonder if he'll know. Uh, the answer to that is yes. Indubitably. Mm. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time. Do, 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 do. Um... <laughs> You are listening to Priority, a podcast about choices, limitations, and getting stuff done. Priority is hosted by Katie Leibman and her brother, Max Leibman. That's me. Today's episode is entitled, As Wearing a Suit as Possible. For complete show notes, including links to anything we discuss on the podcast today, visit us online at priority.fm slash 24. just trying to see if I could pull up my message to you. So my um, ill-formed topic idea, as they they most often are, um, I can't find it. Oh, wait. No, I found it. Um, I said that I had a, oh, excuse me, a partially formed, not so much ill-formed, um, thought of a topic, something about professionalism, professionalization, dot, 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 something, dot, dot, dot. Um, <laughs> so I've got a couple different tracks I was thinking of that I, um, think it'd be fun within this topic. Um, but maybe I'll start by asking, what did you think of when I said those words? Uh, well, I thought about ties and, uh, carefully coiffed hair <laughs> and punctuality Mm-hmm. Um, and so much whiteness. <laughs> when, yeah, because you ended that list with whiteness, now I'm picturing uh, stock images, stock photos of of business people. Mm-hmm. Um, Although, I mean, you know, nowadays it's hard to find a stock photo that is not, like, uh, painfully careful in its diversity. In its tokenism. <laughs> mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, because diversity. <laughs> yeah, because diversity. The reason I throw I threw whiteness in there is uh, actually the thing that popped into my head almost as an aside initially. This was something that I was going to pursue kind of as a, you know, if it comes up, this would be fun to talk about thing. Hmm. And it ended up that all of the time I spent trying to prepare was spent on this issue and I came up with almost nothing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so what occurred to me was, so I saw two tweets very recently that are related Um one of which I think is related just in that it's a similar kind of category thing. Um, mm. And it does it does verge on some professionalism issues. Uh, and it's actually the more interesting of the two, so I'll, I'll probably review it second. Um, but a <laughs> uh, friend of the show, Kevin Forge, um, <laughs> recently tweeted uh, in, in sort of, I think it was in a like student affairs, you know, Twitter discussion that was going on that um, things like, and I, I might be getting this slightly wrong and it might not have just been professionalism. It might not have been professionalism at all, but I think it was. Um, and as I'm thinking about it now, I think actually it might have been civility, not professionalism, that was the main target. Oh. Um, but Still, though. Basically saying, like, civility, you know, like professionalism, is something that can be very easily thrown around to silence debate or to justify um, not talking about the oppression of certain groups. Hmm. Um, you know, it's it's one thing to say, well, you know, we need to be civil in this discourse when you have two parties who are disagreeing from a more or less equal place. Um, it's quite another to say we need to be civil in this discourse to somebody that you are oppressing or taking advantage of. Um, sure. Who is, who is, you know, attacking you verbally. Um and and I, I believe Kevin actually tweeted, and if I can find a link to the tweet, I'll put it in show notes, tweeted something to the effect of, you know, professionalism is in this camp as well. Um, <laughs> the, other, the other tweet I saw, which relates, um, again, very tangentially, but it came to mind right away, was uh, someone a week or so ago, and I don't have this person's tweet in front of me. I don't recall their name. Sorry, person from the internet who tweeted interesting things. Um, but I will link to you in show notes, so two people will <laughs> see your tweet. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> uh, tweeted something to the effect of helicopter parents being sort of a misplaced term that uh, professionals were using to um, label 
their anxiety about the reassertion of social class in America. Say that one more time. The, the term helicopter parents was, is, is not so much an accurate term as, as a misplaced label for the anxiety that professionals feel about the reassertion of social class in America. Like the idea of a helicopter parent, somebody who goes with their student to probably things they shouldn't at college and definitely places they shouldn't like the workplace or job mm-hmm. interviews – um, uh-huh. as being, as being, you know, it's not so much that the parent is going cause the kid can't do it on their own. The parent is going. Um, and that is, that is effectively saying, don't you realize who we are? <laughs> oh, I see. I see. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. Now, okay. now the reason, the reason I find that <laughs> don't one interesting, you know who we are? the reason I find um, that one interesting, I don't even know that it's true, but I couldn't stop thinking about it for like a week. Um, mm-hmm. but it strikes me as being a similar kind of thing where, where, you know, these can very easily become code words. Um, professionalism, and and what was frustrating about this is I've heard this discussion and this very point brought up a number of times, but I had a hell of a time finding any sources. Like, I found a student newspaper editorial. I found a couple of really crappily written blog posts, um, but I really did not find as much like solid material as I was expecting. But mm-hmm. I have I have heard this said many times that professionalism kind of gets used in this way of of you know. It's a word that gets thrown around. We all kind of think we know what we mean. It's like when we talked about jargon a few weeks ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but to some people, like it's it's not just you know that it's the it, they're not just using it because it's vague. They're also using it because it has very specific cultural connotations. Um, mm-hmm. When they it say professional, currency. exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. When they say professional, they mean uh, you know having a certain level of decorum, being able to speak the speak of business, being able to show up on time, sure, but also mm-hmm. being as white and as male and as wearing a suit as possible. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. All the things. So yeah, none of, I appreci- none of which, by the way, do we have to talk about? Because again, no, I didn't find no, no, any no. good sources. Um, no, I'm glad there that this. Uh, medium is a conversation because then we can sort of help each other find the shortcuts to our own thoughts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because I think you just got to um, the stuff that I kept thinking about when I was prepping um, and thinking about all the topics within this, this idea of what it means to be a professional or to be professional um, came back to stuff like that. And, and that was sort of I think one of my goals with this topic was <laughs> by the end of this conversation, I think we're going to uh, problematize that word. Um, <laughs> um, yes. Twirl your snidely whiplash mustache at this point. Um, yeah. Because I think there's a lot of assumptions when we use this word, like you said, I think a lot of it does get back to um, class and sometimes race and culture. Um mm. Yeah, and and even yeah. not always in a in a, in a you know ethnic, religious, racial kind of cultural way. Even just things like um, I see that you have a full sleeve tattoo and seven pieces of metal in your ear. Um, you might be more comfortable working at the Starbucks across the street. Sure, sure, or the gas station, or the McDonald's, um, which all have their own assumptions built in. Indeed. Um, not that I'm suggesting that someone with a sleeve should, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, yes, so many good things. Um, yeah, so the two kinds of things I was thinking about, um, were that first, I think within any, any set of jobs you would consider your career, um, I think there are certain um, there are certain things that you are expected to do to be a participating professional. So the, the noun that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking about things like as an academic, when we talk about those professional, um, I was going to say encounters, um, but all those different things like conferences, like mentoring relationships, um, publications of your own, all these different things that, um, one is supposed to do or acquire to be a professional. Um, like that's a very real set of, of skills and practices that, um, you know, depending on your field, there's a certain level of expectation for how much of that stuff you do, um, how much you network, how many people you uh, work with or collaborate with or, you know, co-whatever stuff with. Um, but then there's this other set of stuff um, where in the sort of day-to-day, so not the long view of your career, but the day-to-day 
um, interactions with people, um, things like that. There's this other set of skills that is to be professional. So the adjective here, um, and that's kind of what I think you were getting at in some of your comments about how you conduct yourself, how you present yourself, um, all these different things. Yeah, so those were kind of the two arenas I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like them. Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, talking, just thinking through, too. I mean, I, did, I didn't actually think initially that my entire prep was going to consist of, mm-hmm. um, this is a code word for racism or whatever. Sure. Uh, or sexism, for, sure. for that matter. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things I did find was a an article about um, a, a college senior uh, who is a, a woman who is um, preparing to enter their workforce, or was at the time that this article was written, um, and it was discussing the feedback she got on her interview, which was that based on her qualifications, they, they would have hired her, but they felt that her dress was not sufficiently professional. Mm, um, sure. And the, the gist of the article is that a man would not have been held to the same standard and that his, you know, even if he was, that his dress would not have been commented on. And, um, and there was a picture of her with her outfit and, you know, what her look was for the interview. And, you know, frankly, I, I, <laughs> shuddered to think about working in a place that would say that she did not look professional enough. I think I thought she did. Um, hmm. I'm not. I'm not sure um, all of the angles on this, how it got to that point. But it just. It just. It. You know. It, as I as I was thinking about it, and as I started looking, and as I could not find many really great sources of stories like that, I was expecting to find dozens, but you know, found very mm-hmm. few. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. That that kind of took over my entire my entire. Um, prep for the show, which is in a way is kind mm-hmm. of sad too. Cause there's also an element of this, like the way I think most people think they mean it when they say it, you know, this is going back to our business buzzword, you know, uh, discussion a few weeks ago. This is a concept that there is a, if this concept does not exist, if we take this word off the table, professionalism, um, there is a gap there. There is a void, mm-hmm. you know, what, what kind of, there is no other word that so overarchingly, you know, can, contains uh, the way you work with other people and the values you bring and the way you comport yourself in a business setting, um, as well as the various, you know, skills and, and basic behaviors of working um, alone and with others. Mm-hmm. You know, this yeah. this word, as it's intended, or at least as most people think it's intended, I, I think has, there's something to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it does catch so much, though, that I'm thinking about if you were, like, I'm imagining some sort of quiz where you're just trying to gauge the definitions in the room. You might put up two pictures of two different people and say, okay, who is more professional? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if this person, if these two people were to walk into our office, who would you silently judge to be the most professional? Um, and then had a conversation off of those rankings or whatever. I think you'd find a lot of really interesting things in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. Yeah. Yeah. For no, sure. I, this came up in, um, and I didn't dig into it too much, but I, I did point it out at least when I was um, teaching a course this spring for um, future staff of the writing center. Um, every once in a while, this word would come up about talking about, uh, you know, prop, what is proper conduct in the writing center? How do you handle uh, tough situations or troubling situations or student writers who come in who are upset or might say something inappropriate? But then again, there's another one of those words, what is appropriate mm, um, mm-hmm. and what's not. Um, but I dug into it a little bit about, you know, that's, that's something that sort of gets decided in the moment what is professional and what is not. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very individually located because what feels appropriate for some people may not feel appropriate for others. Um, And yet at the same time as a group, um, there are certain things that should have declared universal guidelines, you know, sure. um, you should always have your shoes on while you're in the writing center. Okay, fine. Make mm, that scene. <laughs> you know, now you're, now you're really cramping my style. Yeah. Right. Right. It's, it's censorship at that point. Really. I, I thought um, you were a bunch of hippie creative types. <laughs> you betcha. But we're also sanitary. 
isn't the, I think that your foot, like the bottom of your foot is like the third or fourth most germy place on your body. I think someone told me that at one point. I'll might, look it up for sure. That might be because I keep walking through dumps. <laughs> and with no shoes on all over the library <laughs> and public buildings. Most uh, germy only. parts of body. I, I must Ugh. I must confess at this juncture. Yeah, you shouldn't be googling that. First of all, that's a terrible <laughs> idea. Um, but now I'm going to put a link to the whatever the results for that search are on the show yes, notes. Um, please, oh my god, the list is really. Cool. <laughs> I must I must confess at this juncture though. I, I do have a great I do take great joy in walking barefoot all kinds of places where I shouldn't be barefoot. Ah, uh, Max, what does that mean? What do you mean? Like what? Like like. I mean, outside various places. Like, I I have oh. a strong conviction that you have not lived somewhere until you've walked barefoot, like, all over it. Um, which, when I lived on campus, included a lot of campus. Not the library, by the way. Oh, my goodness. Or the bathrooms. Um, never, yeah, ever, never say. ever in bathrooms. Speaking of dirtiest surfaces again. I wear, I wear galoshes in our own bathroom. <laughs> Um, your your bath. Where are my bathroom galoshes? But as far as the outdoors is concerned, I you know once I'm once I am outside of of a building, I uh-huh. I pretty much operate as though I have a hobbit feet and I mm-hmm. don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know what's funny, and I don't know if this will trouble any listeners or anyone at my institution, but sometimes when I'm alone in my office, I will remove my shoes. Um, but I was just trying to think of sort of the very bare minimum, um, you know. Yeah, but wh- I mean, what does know, it mean? Whether, yeah. whether, or not, whether or not we enjoy being barefoot, like, we all agree we should have shoes on in shared spaces. Yes, yes. So if not for germs and public health, then at least for um, sort of a standard of, mm-hmm. um, you know, that could make a guest feel uncomfortable or that could encourage... <laughs> Um, a writer with very stinky feet to take off their own shoes and then we've got a problem and how do you ask them to do it, to put their shoes back on if mm-hmm. <laughs> if the staff now, do not wear shoes, etc. I, I think you've got a little bit of a problem with your transition between the third and the fourth paragraph that could be addressed in a number of ways. Uh, <laughs> the first of which is, I think your shoes should be back on your feet. And then secondly, I think Ooh. the paragraph probably shouldn't begin with a conjunction. Mm. I'm already liking this as a new strategy. I can teach the staff for how to bring up things that are awkward. <laughs> Just sneak it in as if it's going to help the writing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but do you know what, what I think would be good for this title that you wanted to rewrite is a Mentos. Here you go. <laughs> they don't call uh, it the fresh maker for nothing. Yeah. Um, and you probably shouldn't use what is it, wingdings, webdings, in your title. Mm, what about emoji? <sighs> probably not. And here's the <laughs> stick of gum. There was a uh, which which uh, apropos of nothing. Um, this I think it was the second most recent episode uh, as of this recording of uh, the Dalrymple Report. Uh, with Merlin mm. Mann and, and Jim Dalrymple. Uh, the title of the episode was Fist Bump Poop, and it was, you know, literated with those two emojis. Oh, my. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, one of the most popular emojis in the United States, I read in an article. The fist bump or the poop? Uh, I don't know about fist bump, but poop definitely. Um, the U.S., and there's a couple other countries that just really enjoy... Enjoy the poop emoji. Well, I think we're we're aided in in you know. Well, I shouldn't say we're aided in Western countries because Apple sells really well all over the world, and, mm-hmm. and particularly in China. But I I think the popularity of the poop emoji is aided by the fact that that Apple has popularized the smiling pile of poo. As it's yes, no, that one in particular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, which which by the way, okay. After this, I promise I'll stop the emoji digression, but. <laughs> If you make Siri read you a text message that contains the the poop emoji, she will pronounce it smiling pile of poo. <laughs> Pretty good. Um, yeah, no, whatever. And I'll find that article. Um, it was interesting because it was ranking which emojis are most popular in which countries. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting is the emotional tenor or valence was different for different countries. So certain countries are way more likely to use negative emojis like frowny faces and crying faces oh, sure. um, more often than others. Yeah. But anyway, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> B 
Be a professional, Max. Stop talking about poop on my on my topic. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> professional yes. poop. Professional poop. Professional, um, professional pile of poo. Smiling pile of poo. Yes. Um, yeah. So, I mean, um, I do think about it in spaces like the writing center. Um, we read a really interesting article, um, which I can try to find also, uh, for show notes. Um, talking about so this idea of staff professionalism and having standards. Um, and the author had this anecdote about a student who had to worn a shirt with an expletive on it into the writing center, um, to work. I believe it was a staff member. Um, Mm -hmm. so wore a shirt with an expletive. Um, and in the short term, I think the, I think the faculty members short term solution was, um, she was afraid it would make, other students uncomfortable or project a negative image of the center. So she asked the student to change. Um, and then a sort of, uh, long-term reaction was, uh, the whole staff had a conversation then about what it means for a staff member to wear a shirt with an expletive on it. Um, Mm. in this case, I think it was a shirt that said the F bomb and that might've been it, but I'll double check. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So talking about what that meant, um, and whether decisions like that depend on context, you know, if if the shirt had a curse word on it, but it was a shirt that was um, a demonstration of some sort of activist protest that was in line with the writing center's philosophies, you know, would that be different than mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. someone just wearing a shirt with the F-bomb just to wear a shirt that says the F-bomb? And right. does the intention matter? <laughs> Is it, you know... Yeah. Well, is, so it a, I, yeah. is it a professional intention? Right, but it. But <laughs> and now I'm I'm back to the same sort can, of loop. Can, can you uh, professionalize your intentionality sufficiently to justify this T-shirt? Right, but couldn't you also say even if it was just the individual student wanting to express themselves using an expletive just because they wanted to for the hell of it? Um, you know, isn't shouldn't a writing center, generally speaking, support someone's verbal expression? Like that's the whole point, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so would it be so? So I guess here's something that I kept working on as I was thinking about all this was when does professionalism become censorship? When does it become silencing? Mm. Um, well, and those yeah. those those two questions I think are. Um, interestingly phrased because I think there are a lot more different questions than some people will, will hear them as at first hmm. glance. Um, cause as far as when it becomes censorship, well, it depends on what you, you know, <laughs> we've talked before about censorship on this podcast. Um, it becomes censorship when the government comes in and tells you to be a professional. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> otherwise it's not censorship. <laughs> um, but I think, I think more to what you're meaning, like at what point are you, are you shutting down expression and discussion and individuality, um, in a perhaps arbitrary way? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's also an interesting, I'll also dismiss that question just like I did the censorship question, <laughs> but in a very different way, that's an interestingly different question. Um, because it's, it's, uh, it immediately becomes censorship in that sense. And that's okay. Um, because if we are talking about professionalism being used to censor certain types of expression, uh, it, you know, very often what we're talking about there is, is, you know, maybe a industry organization of some sort. Um, but, but often, more often, probably an individual firm or company is saying, this is what we define professionalism as. This is our standard for how we treat each other, how we communicate, how we comport ourselves, how we dress, mm-hmm. how we talk. And frankly, I think that's fine. Um, and of course I would think that I'm a privileged white man. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> At the you know at the end of the day, you know, there's a business douche phrase for you as well as a news douche phrase. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, though, I mean, a, a company or or an individual running a, a small business or you know any any entity that is employing others and bringing them together in one space to work together has some right and responsibility to define what the rules of the game are. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, it becomes censorship in that sense almost right away, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Now, the other question, the silencing question, though, I think is is perhaps the most interesting of all, because then we're getting back to um, questions of, is this a code word for classism or, or racism or some mm-hmm. other sort of bias, um, you know? And that that's something that I think is more pernicious. You know, is it is is your dress, your mode of dress being discouraged in the workplace because it is unprofessional or because it makes it easy to tell that you are a Muslim mm-hmm. and it, that makes people uncomfortable mm-hmm. um, or it's a little bit too African or native, frankly. And we mm-hmm. want you to wear a suit like the other suits. So that our customers and clients are not uncomfortable when they walk into a room and see you, you know, mm-hmm. and your and your mode of dress. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that's an important question, and that is that does become problematic then, um, because at at a certain point, I don't have a good definition of where this point is. But when we <laughs> wander into that territory, we're not just sending a message to the clients that they can be comfortable with us, but we're also reinforcing the notion that you shouldn't be comfortable if you walk into the room and it's very clear that your lawyer is a Muslim woman, Mm -hmm. you know, that it's very clear that your, your uh, doctor is not a straight white male as, as two examples. Yeah. 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 So, so like when I, when I first said censorship, um, of course, I'm poking at the the negative connotation of mm-hmm. that word, right. um, and that's why I used it not interchangeably with silencing, but um, right. to suggest that I'm in that realm somewhere yeah. between those two. Um, no, because I, I hear what you're saying about um, you know the leadership, the organization um, that controls the space. So, so you know, out of the business world, back to academia, of course. Um, in the writing center, I am sort of responsible for that for that space. I am the person in charge. I'm the responsible adult, um, <laughs> quote unquote. Um, <laughs> as far as everyone knows, mm. um, you are the you know, professional. So, yeah, right, right. And at the end of the yeah, at the end of the day, um, they're students, and I'm the professional. So I ought to have a hand, or at least be aware of what. Um, the group is choosing to do in terms of professionalism and um, image and behavior and all and policies and all these other things. Um, yeah, so I hear what you're saying about how you know some things that I could think of as being policies that are meant to uh, prof- keep everyone professional. Um, so whether that's appearance or you know, things that are and are not done and said in front of um, clients or business partners or whoever. Um, there's a lot of value in that because it does create um, a consistent experience, which, um, you know, I haven't had a ton of experience in a strictly business setting, but mm-hmm. um, I feel like that's something that's very important is, is giving whether you call them clients or customers or partners or whatever, um, giving them a consistent experience. Um, you know, the only surprises should be good things like free coupons or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, it shouldn't be a surprise to walk in and, and see someone who intimidates you or makes you feel uncomfortable um, or mm-hmm. who is, is yelling or swearing or you can't tell um, what's going on in the room when you right. walk in, you know, stuff like that. Um yeah. So, but it but it's always sort of scary to think about what we say we do in the name of sort of standardization or making things like oh we want this we we don't want you to detract from a situation so we want dress to be sort of neutral and professional like that's the mm-hmm. goal is um, you know we want things to be sort of similar and consistent and also sort of downplayed and neutral. I mean, sure. I'm just speaking, I'm speaking way generally, of course. Oh, absolutely. Um, we're not talking about TGA Friday's 28 pieces of flair or whatever, um, <laughs> which is sort of the opposite. Everyone is consistently obnoxious. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> there's a lot going on. Um, mm. but even that is a type of consistency or standardization. Well, and that's, um, that's, that's exactly right. In that situation, yeah. um, you know, the, 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 Scene you're referring to is something from from the movie Office Space, which mm-hmm. I'm just throwing in for the listeners because um, it occurs to me that that movie is now probably like approaching 20 years old. So, oh my gosh, yes, <laughs> we should probably point out what it is, um, even though you know 
I'm sure a lot of people have also seen it, but you know the the idea there is um, you know you have these little buttons and and pins and things on your on your vest when you work at this particular restaurant, <laughs> and there's a certain minimum standard of how many you have you're supposed to have on, but there's also an unspoken standard of how many they want you to have on. Right, right, yeah. Jennifer Aniston's character is working at the it's a it's a knockoff of TGI Fridays, but Tchotchkes or something like that. Um, yeah, and the manager corners her to talk about the the recommended versus the suggested number of mm-hmm. pieces of flair. Yeah, um, yeah. She was meeting the minimum, mm-hmm. which is something like twelve. But she was pointing. He was mm-hmm. pointing out that you know Brian has thirty seven <laughs> pieces of flair and a terrific smile. <laughs> yes. Uh, again, like all this, these code words and euphemisms, mm-hmm. and it just goes around. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, yes. 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 I don't know. I think what's I think what's interesting to me, and now that I'm thinking about the you know the context of the writing center again, I think what's interesting is you know some of this stuff um, is sort of mandated, right? It comes down in policies and guidebooks, and when you're running orientation with new employees, it it gets explained verbally. It gets it's open for questions to explain it. Um, but at the same time, like the way this stuff happens is dynamic. Like a, a new situation could come up every day where you have to re-ask this question about what is appropriate and what is professional. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Sure. Oh, for sure. And that's mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of the a lot of the problem with with professional standards of professionalism and standards of service in you know highly creative or service oriented. Um, businesses is a, a new situation is going to come in every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, there are certainly businesses that pride themselves on defining um, principles, you know, rather mm-hmm. than policies. I'm uh, at the moment, I am working my way through the audiobook uh, Uncontainable by uh, Kip Tyndall, who's the founder, co founder, and the CEO of the Container Store. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Uncontainable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. Um, but it's uh, it, uh, one of the things he talks about in there, which I, which I think is powerful and can be useful, is that you know, they, they try really hard to communicate to their employees the goals and the standards and the values of the organization mm. and minimize the number of policies involved. Like we're going mm. to train the heck out of you, you know, to be a good salesperson, be good at customer service, but at the end of the day, like, it's not a three-inch binder of customer service policies you're going to execute. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this very short list of foundational principles that we want you to learn and try to practice and talk about. And, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to talk and, and walk our talk in the store about it. Uh, but we're not going to spend a lot of time you know, legalistically building up a, a body of rules about them. We just want you to know them and then to apply them in each situation as it comes up. And mm. he's, he says it very pointedly in there because this is retail. Like, we don't know what's going to come up. Sure. Yeah, there, will yeah, be, yeah. there will be a new product and a new customer every day. And, you know, we're not going to be able to to fit all of the round pegs in the square holes, even though mm-hmm. we are the container store. So we do have square holes. <laughs> Mm, yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. exactly how he put it, but <laughs> I think I got the spirit of it. Sure, sure. No, that's super cool. I'm writing that down um, <laughs> because I think that is really helpful. Um, again, just this podcast is basically for me to figure my shit out. Um, <laughs> no, because that's really helpful to me with writing center stuff. I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, mm-hmm. But as we're developing our training materials and um, procedures and all this stuff and collecting it and getting everything documented in a way that, you know, I'm not the only person who keeps this knowledge and it has to be asked mm-hmm. of me when someone wants to know, oh, how do you get into this system and do this thing? It's like, oh, well, here, right. it's a straightforward process. But I think there is a difference between, um, you know, policies that keep the space safe and consistent and at least sort of, um, I was gonna say business-like, but I think what I mean is just like sort of, um, standardized so that people who want to use the center understand how it works, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so Uh, displaying the hours, keeping the hours updated, just stuff like that. Um, but I think there's a difference between that stuff and policies that are trying to 
govern this more intangible stuff, this more, this, this grayer stuff, (laughs) um, of like professionalism. I don't know. So you said, you said a magic word in there. You said safe, Um, Mm -hmm. which is a magic word because as you said it, I was pulling up a tweet from a few days ago and this one I do actually have in front of me. Uh, Mm -hmm. Lori Voss is who said it. Um, and, and, uh, she doesn't mention professionalism, but I think, I think this, uh, this applies in an interesting way to what we're talking about. Uh, she tweeted, the tragedy of all online community spaces is that the goals of inclusive and safe are at the extreme mutually exclusive goals. Mm. Um, inclusive and safe, inclusive and safe, which she went on Mm. to, I mean, and she says at the extreme, I don't think you have to go that extreme for this to be true. No, um, no. But but she goes on in, in a subsequent tweet, um, and possibly many more. I just have these two that I retweeted. You know, basically that that you can't include the people who are making it unsafe. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't wrap your arms around literally everyone in this community because some of those people want to wrap their hands around the throats of others. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, no, and when so I, they yeah. can all be welcome mm-hmm. or the ones who are welcome can be safe, but you can't have both is what she's sure, saying. Sure, sure. No, and I, d- I did mean safe much in the the sort of literal and pragmatic way of, um, you know, it is a policy that there are always going to be at least two right. student staffers right. in the space at any given time. Like, I, I, yeah, like, I don't want anyone by themselves. I, I think in your case, though, and, and I don't want to go too far down this digression right this moment, um, because I, I have more to say about safe and inclusive, but mm-hmm. I also mm-hmm. think, I also think in, in your case, you were trying to create, and this might be more of a, more of a standard than, you know, not, uh, 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 more of those principles rather than, than something you have policies about. But I think you're also, if I understand right, trying to create an environment that is safe for somebody to be vulnerable about this, you know, creative, difficult, ambiguous work they're doing. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, that's fair, too. Yeah. Um, uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, the, the, reason, the reason, though, that this one, I looked this up, um, and I thought it was funny that you said the word safe right when I was yeah, looking at awesome. it. Uh, the reason I looked it up, though, in, in this contrast of safe and inclusive, um, you, you mentioned safe and, and, and intimidation, and that's one of the one of the the really sticky things here you know just like professionalism like what is professional um are we defining it just in this classic white european fashion or or are we willing to be a little bit broader and talk about standards of service and decency um but it's it's like uh part of the reason that we have that that white european standard of professionalism um Part of the reason that we have that image that comes to all of our minds that is is not super diverse in in dress or manner um, is because a lot of what is the professional image, I think, has been chosen because it is, quote unquote, safe, Mm -hmm. Uh, because it does promote a consistent business experience for everyone. Mm -hmm. And because there will be people, including good people, frankly, who, depending on how the consultant or salesperson or doctor shows up, what they're wearing, how they're talking – might feel much less comfortable and much less safe uh, if they get someone other than who they're expecting. Mm-hmm. And is, to the extent that we can make everyone look and sound and act more or less the same, we can deliver a consistent experience and make those people feel safe. Now, mm-hmm. obviously that's less inclusive because um, some people can come in and just be themselves. I fit in very well in that culture um, for the right. most part. A lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. Um and in order to make it safe for some, and and in that sense of you know not being intimidated, not having to be met with culture and, and pressure they don't expect, mm-hmm. we've made it unsafe for others. You know, it's no right. longer safe mm-hmm. for someone to come in wearing mm-hmm. something radically different. Yeah, and on a personal level, that my pushback to conversations that do get into that territory, my pushback is always something like. Well, when is it okay to to say that? It, when is it okay to say that it's okay to challenge people and say, okay, well, it's safe to interact with difference. It's safe to confront difference. Um, and I'm using that in a really general, in my case, academic way. You know, that could be any type of difference, whether it's an obvious um, racial difference, um, gender sexuality, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it could even be someone interacting with um, a 
person with a disability, an obvious one. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. That's a type of difference too, of course. Um, yeah, but just thinking about um, how we we accommodate. I think sometimes too often to people who are, are already in power mm-hmm. um, and sort of say, oh, well, it's easier if people don't have to deal with you, <laughs> person of, of different ability right. or different color or different whatever. Um, yeah, so, so my personal pushback to that is always something like, uh, you know, like, when, why can't we just say that it is good and healthy for people to be challenged and... Um, like have to figure out that uncomfortable feeling of, mm-hmm. of confronting difference. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, but it's hard because the, the types of examples we're talking about are not interpersonal interactions with strangers who are sort of peers. Like we're talking about um, sales or service or, um, well, I guess in my case too, academic services. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so where is that balance between, um, yeah. Well, yeah. and, and to mm-hmm. be clear, like when I'm, when I'm talking about the creating that feeling of safety for people, I'm not necessarily saying that's a good thing, um, either. Oh, yeah, just, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's just, it's an interesting word. And I think a lot of, you know, a lot of what we're talking about here, I mean, I'll, you know, go to the extremes here, but, um, if someone were to walk into the writing center and is confronted with, a six foot five inch tall uh, African American male who is all muscle and um, <laughs> has has the word felon tattooed across his knuckles, um, mm-hmm. but you know uh, missing the O, or or maybe it's got the O because he's got an extra knuckle, um, which would be super scary. Uh, that's not going to meet their expectation, and probably I'm just guessing. I mean, maybe some some would expect that, and probably some number of students are not going to feel super comfortable or safe with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that can be problematic. Um, but that can also be problem. You know, are we, are we going to talk about, um, which, which is the problem to solve here? Like, is it, is it the way society prejudges someone with those physical characteristics and those, those, you know, possibly far in the past judgments that have led to things like tattoos, um, <laughs> uh, or scars or, or what have you, whatever else. Um, you know, do we need to address that or do we need to address, uh, do we need to just address the, the professional world and say, no, you know, it's up to you guys. You just, you, you need to just bring everybody in and let society do what society is going to do. And, you know, mm-hmm. if they've got the skills, let them do the job. And Yeah. No, I love the way you say that of what problem are we, would we like to solve? Mm-hmm. Um, or another way of saying it, maybe what... What's more? What's more or most important right now? Um, yeah, yeah. Is it is it the set of skills and the things that can happen if we let this person do their work, um, or is it that minute of discomfort? You know, yeah. That oh, the other God, person you said might it have. so much better than I did. No, no, no. I just made, you, I made you, a mess of it. <laughs> no, no, no. You're right on. Um, it makes me think too of another, and this I think is very relevant to the business world too. Um, there's an article on writing centers called Cozy Homes um, that talks about this issue. So not even of uh, the staff themselves, but of the space of a writing center. Um, and by the end of it, it's talking about how, <laughs> um, if you read it, this sort of sort of pessimistic but sort of freeing way, there is no perfect way to um, model and furnish and decorate and supply a writing center. Um, I'm pretty sure I could get pretty close. Uh, but here's the thing though. So if, if the idea and this language comes up over and over again in, in writing center scholarship, if the idea is to create, um, a comfortable space where people, as you brought up, people feel like they can be vulnerable because they are supported and, you know, literally, but also figuratively comfortable, um, but also sort of energized and inspired, you could say, um, the language about home and coziness and, and comfort and all these things come up over and over again in the, in the scholarship. Um, but you can't know what makes everyone comfortable and you can't know what makes everyone feel like they're at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you could, there are some people who don't want to feel like they're at home. They want to feel like they're in <laughs> a clinic or somewhere 
sterile and professional mm. um, because that's what makes them feel supported and like the service is doing its job. Whereas other people, maybe they want to feel like they're in a dormitory basement sitting on a couch. You know, they they would like to feel like they're in that space because they they like the peer aspect so much. Mm-hmm. So really, um, really, I think what we're what we're coming to here is that a writing center should be should be built in a repurposed house with different rooms catering to different desires. <gasps> Max, that would be so fun. I would love that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, here, here, we run into, mm-hmm. here, here we run into one of my devil's, devil's uh, advocate arguments against everything good we're saying, uh, which is the problem with that is most writing centers aren't going to have the budget to have <laughs> 12 different kinds of spaces mm-hmm. in a freestanding building on a college campus. Um, and in fact, uh, you know, going back to the broader discussion of professionalism, one of the other things we're going to run into here is, is – um, even when it's wrong and it's racist and it's sexist and it's it's culturally bigoted, um, having standards and shorthands for things makes a handy shortcut. Um, you don't have all the time in the world to figure out what every person you run into, either as a client or partner or you know potential employer or coworker, you, you can't figure out what everyone you meet is up to and about if you have to get to know them as individuals every time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so this the shorthand is also serving a bit of a bit of a uh, of an economic goal in that it, oh yeah it is a shorthand you know and mm-hmm. and in all kinds of other ways I mean and additionally um, there are probably a lot of things that that employers and businesses could be accommodating some of which they may even should be accommodating but are going to be a cost so mm-hmm. you know they are still and will always be fighting it sure. Yeah, you can have it your way, but a Big Mac is a Big Mac is a Big Mac. Mm-hmm. You can have it your way unless your way is chopped up into little pieces and uh, fried in teriyaki sauce with some broccoli, in which case you're not going to get it. Absolutely not. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's it's there's there's a cost to going whole hog, hog in the opposite direction and saying, well, anything goes. Right, right. No, I'm thinking about that idea of individualization. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, if your shoes are shined and you're wearing a tie and your your hair is neat um, and you look reasonably healthy and you're speaking English and I recognize the English that you're speaking without a lot of effort, um, I can – I mean, two two things are true there. One, I am probably drawing an unfair conclusion um, in that I assume, therefore, you are a professional and have the skills I need. Uh, which is unfair mm-hmm. because, of course, being a professional and having the skills I need have nothing to do with any of those things. Literally mm-hmm. nothing to do with any of those things. Um, but on the flip side, there's also um, a no less bigoted but but maybe less evil thing going on there, which is also I also don't have to parse anything that I'm seeing. I can get straight to the issue of whether you have the skills I need or not. I don't mm-hmm. have to wonder what your tattoo means. Um, I don't have to to contemplate um, issues issues of cultural um, transgression, you know, that I might make. I mean, I still should be contemplating that because anybody could also. The other thing is, anybody can look that professional image and still be a diverse, distinct individual um, from a specific culture, mm-hmm. other than the one I assume they belong to. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, again, back to cost. You, I, I don't have to think about any of that if you fit the mold. The waspy right. mold of professionalism. Right. I can move straight on to "quote unquote" business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you more quickly understand that you can proceed with what you thought your role in that situation was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what the relationship is, is supposed uh, which, to be. Which, by the way, is usually that I am the boss. <laughs> He's a boss. Um, well, yeah. In the stock photo, you're the you're the boss. Um, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I'm sorry I talked too much and I derailed the whole thing. No, you're doing great. I'm trying to remember. What else? Oh, you mentioned um, in a list of isms, you mentioned if something was sexist and for some reason that triggered. um, I was thinking of, so there's um, a, um, I suppose you could call it a publishing company. Um, It's a publishing company. Good job. You may do that. Um, in <laughs> this part of the state that I'm in, um, <laughs> that over the years I've sort of um, 
realized it seems to be a sort of rite of passage for anyone who wants to or ends up doing anything vaguely related to uh, publishing, marketing, editing, writing, um, advertising sales uh, in the region. I've just known so many people who very briefly had either an internship or uh, were there for work um, before they they landed a job that they more so preferred. Um, so I keep thinking of it as the sort of rite of passage for the area that you, you need to go through this company for a, a short stint if you're going to. And that's not to say that any of these people had to or were, were pressured to do it or they, they're doing better than their peers who hadn't gone through this place. I just think it's funny how much it comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, but, the, but at the same time, I've also heard consistently negative experiences that people have had working for this company. <laughs> um, so it's just sort of funny to me how it seems to be sort of a standard experience, but also a like standardly negative professional experience. Um, it's just one of the things I'm remembering talking to um, a friend of mine was saying, and I don't know if it's still the policy, but at the time in their professional dress code, which was an official policy company policy, um, women had to wear skirts, pantyhose and heels. There was no choice of, mm-hmm. of footwear or <laughs> lower extremity wear for that matter. Um, whereas the men's wardrobe obviously was less constricting than that because it doesn't really get much more constricting than, um, a skirt and heels and pantyhose. (laughs) Sure. Um, so things like that, I'm trying to think of other things. Um, I think it was sort of, I think the culture in general was just sort of, um, standardized and and restricted um things like wherever you sat everyone could always see what you were working on on your computer things Mm -hmm. like that sure just just that feeling of um being very regimented um (laughs) welcome to the panopticon pretty much yeah yeah you can't see anyone else but anyone who's going to the bathroom can stop Mm -hmm. and and see your work that that gives me an idea going back to writing centers for a possible writing center decor furniture setup Yes. What, what, if you, what if you modeled the room in which you conducted the sessions with the clients after mm-hmm. interrogation um, rooms from police procedurals? Uh, I thought you were just going to go straight for Bentham's Panopticon. Yeah. Um, no, that could be good. Shoot. Okay, so my office, which is in the space, which is another, <laughs> it sounds probably worse than it is, I hope. Um, I would like to think I'm a friendly professional face, um, but I have glass windows on two sides of my office looking into the space. <laughs> two um, sides, so like you, but I should do, you can only but keep I should one of the, them covered at a time. Da, da, da. Um, but I should, <laughs> I could do like the two-way mirror <laughs> and then like flip the light on at the end of a session. <laughs> I'm just standing there with a cigarette and a cup of coffee <laughs> and a little styrofoam cup, of course. Yeah. My sleeves rolled up. I'm also picturing myself as a man, you know, just picturing. Well, you know, you're, you're trying to imagine yourself as a professional, right? Right, right. I am a white man. <laughs> Buzz cut. Um, yikes. I went from housewife to like hardcore bad cop. Mm. White man. Um, Would that make me the good then. cop? Uh, no, you weren't there. It's just me. I run the whole show. <laughs> just, that show, not this just, show. Obviously, just, we both run the show. Just bad cop. <laughs> yeah, we both run this show. I think we're into um, Lego movie territory again. Hee hee. There was two faces on that cop. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so I could, like, fake the two-way mirror, but with the two windows of my office. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, you know, a blue sky solutioneering. Oh, thanks, Max. You're a thought leader. <laughs> Do it again. <sighs> um, so I guess I guess in the minutes remaining, um, and if you if you are not done with any of the many topics we've had, we don't have to make these just the remaining minutes. <laughs> but if these are just the remaining minutes, um, uh, so I think we've established pretty clearly that we we don't like the notion of professionalism as just this this image or the standard and and that is misused that way. But are there ideas around professionalism that that you think are are useful and good in terms of consistency or standard of service? You know, if we mm-hmm. assume that professionalism is not a tie tack, 
Yeah. <laughs> title. Um, <laughs> not a tie deck. Um, yeah, no, I really liked what you, um, you brought up from uncontainable. I think my sort of takeaway now gets back to, I think the, the way you avoid the bad stuff is always refer back to whatever value or goal was guiding the policy in the first place. Um, mm. You know, so if the idea was um, a comfortable experience or a consistent experience, um, step back and think about is the thing that's been proposed the best way to get to that mm-hmm. or or the drawbacks not worth it? Right. Well, and, um, uh, and I think also worth asking, like, what is your, you know, what's the purpose behind the purpose? It's that, that old, um, I don't know if it's a, if it's a, Japanese idea or what, but the the business idea that I think certainly has been passed around in circles that are into Kaizen and, you know, the very mm. um, sort of Japanese quality-oriented way of doing things is, you know, ask ask why six times, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like, not just is it, you know, so, okay, so why are we doing this? Well, we want to have a consistent experience. Well, why do we want a consistent experience? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. And, why is, and whatever mm-hmm. that, like, you know, so so every customer comes and knows they'll, knows they'll get high quality. Well... <laughs> Why do we assume consistency is the key to quality? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. And with yeah, with writing center stuff and, and academic stuff too, um, I love pushing back on that word comfort because I think you know, similar to all these other uh, concepts, we do take ideas like comfort for granted. Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, sometimes don't the most productive experiences come from being uncomfortable for a while mm-hmm. and then having to really grapple with the issues at hand. Right. And then you might walk away more comfortable, but it takes some effort to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, and a, yeah, lot, of, a yeah. lot of really crappy exploitive behaviors have been and continue to be justified in the name of comfort. Right. You know, yeah. I am, I am mm-hmm. not comfortable having this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> is one that on both sides of an exploitive relationship um, can can perpetuate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think for me, uh, and I like the what you brought up too about coming back to why over and over again, a big circle of why. Um, I feel like that's the helpful way to um, not get <laughs> too oppressive and, and not get too far away from the big picture is keep thinking about, well, what made you want to do that in the first place? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, before we get too far away from it, I do want to mention the circle of why is one of my favorite Elton John songs. Uh, I also wanted to say one thing that I had thought of, I thought, I thought of earlier when I first thought of posing the question about, is there anything good here? You know, anything good about what we think of as professionalism? I thought of one and then like while you were talking, I thought of of a way that it could be construed as exactly the kind of problem we're talking about, which is mm. one of the things that I regard as a, as a big part of professionalism is showing people the respect of being on time for things. Mm. Um, and, and related, I think showing people the respect of carrying through on your commitments and when you don't communicating clearly about that, um, sure. all, all three of these being things, by the way, I don't always and haven't always done perfectly oh, in sure, my own life. Sure. But you know, I think, I think an important part of professionalism is being where you say you're going to be, respecting other people's times, and delivering on the things you say you're going to deliver on. Now, <laughs> I could definitely see somebody saying, well, that's just saying that professionalism means that you can't be a harried single mom. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, if we're talking generally, generally, I'm thinking, too, about how uh, Americans feel very specifically about time as compared to other countries and, and their cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, and we should, we should be clear. Some other countries, there are places even worse than us on that score. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's but many, many places much, much more lax, to your point. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think a lot of it, but I think something you said in there, I think, is pretty generally applicable that, um, you know, respecting whatever the context is. So... If for this particular meeting someone is expecting something from you, yeah, it feels like the appropriate professional thing to do would be to show up with the thing you said you would have, mm-hmm. um, things like that. Um, and if you were expecting the meeting would start at the time that you had scheduled, but the other person um, comes from somewhere that that actually means an hour later and they show up an hour later, then like, yeah, there might be a little discomfort to bring that word back up. Um 
but you're sort of prepared in your own professional way for that um, right. context. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. So um, what have we learned, Katie? <sighs> um, poop emoji. Always go with it. I feel like I talk too much on this one. I don't know about that. Mm, I feel like I'm literally oppressing all kinds of people. All the way through the episode. But you're the most professional. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, um, Mm, mm, I just, mm. uh, speaking of professionalism and image, I recently, uh, so, so since I started working where I currently work, um, in a office tower doing business, um, we, we make numbers and, uh, and give PowerPoints and such. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started working there, it's kind of a business casual um, atmosphere. So I uh, I was wearing khakis initially, and you know, usually a short sleeve button up shirt. Um, and uh, after I'd been there a couple months, I'm you know I'm I'm in the management course, so I decided to upgrade a little bit, and I got some nicer, you know, slightly dressier, like almost dress pants khakis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then earlier this year, uh, late spring, early summer time frame, um, I, I upgraded again and went to just like straight up dress pants, like all of my, yeah. my work pants. I basically have suit pants. Um, I mean, you know, not, not actual suit pants. They're not designed to be worn with suit jackets, but like, you know, that quality and, and kind of material and tailoring and such. Uh, and I went to all long sleeve, like straight up dress shirts, um, mm. you know, not, not casual at all. Um, still not wearing a tie cause nobody wears a tie. I'd look weird. Um, but you know, aiming, aiming to be the best dressed guy on the floor, um, which isn't hard by the way, cause most of the people on the floor are women. Um, <laughs> so I've got this, I've got this, you know, much nicer, much more quote unquote professional, um, managerial attire now, bossy sure. pants, if you will. Um, <laughs> and, uh, two weeks ago we're, we're in the midst of a big technology transition. And two weeks ago it was announced that until the transition, like changeover date, uh, everyone can wear jeans every day. Oh my! And transition is in October. <laughs> <gasps> Whoa! <laughs> so. Wait, why? Why would a technology update have anything to do with your wardrobe? Oh, because it's stressful. So it's like a perk oh. for everybody because we're all working really hard. Oh, so it's like an apology perk. Yeah, it's like an apology perk. That's exactly okay. right. And it happened right after you know we went out and spent. Hundreds of dollars on it. <gasps> no, because at first I was like, oh, does he know that he already explained this? Like, I think he said this on an episode already. Like, I know it. The listener knows it. And I was like, oh I, I don't know if the listener – I know you know it. I think I might have explained this when we were in uh, Nebraska a few weeks ago. Yeah. Long I can't months. remember. I thought you had. Maybe I not. Might, I might have but yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. I, It's very possible yeah. I mentioned it on here too. Oh, but my we, God. We but now you can wear jeans till October. Yeah. Oh and, and it's nice. I mean, I have good jeans. I like. I like my. Je- well, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have as good a jeans as nature gave me. Um, <laughs> I have. I have good denim pants. <laughs> what a square! Good denim pants. Oh, uh, well, of course I'm a square. I'm a professional. Blurp the do. Um, you bet. I just think it's really funny. That's, I don't know. I don't know. So this is a complete other topic, but uh, this gets me with certain (laughs) organizations that will not remain nameless because they drive me freaking nuts. The TSA (laughs) makes me so enraged. I just, ugh. Okay. But what, what I'm thinking about and why it made me think of the TSA is when I do not have a consistent experience, as we've been talking about, with organizations like the TSA, it makes me want to scream because especially in that case where the entire point is safety, quote unquote, um, why is a policy important in some cases and not in others? Why is it that sometimes when we're getting checked for a flight, they waive complete sections of the screening? Uh, so like to keep the terrorists guessing. Oh my god. But here's my thing. So like with and I, I get the sort of comfort type thing, like uh trying to make everyone feel a little bit better because they're not gonna feel as well as they might normally. But if 
if dress code is important, it's important, period, right? So, like, if the metal detectors are important, shouldn't they be important every time? Because... Because if they're not important, then why do we do them at all? If the what if if removing my shoes is important, why don't I have to do it every time? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I'm not suggesting that your company is <laughs> enraging me and, and it's whatever, but it's like really that's the thing that you did to make people more comfortable is a thing that is normally very important and like is a policy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm limited anyway. in what I can say because we are talking about my company, but no, 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 no. And I'm and again, I'm not railing yeah. against your company. It's yeah. just funny and, to me. That's like, and to be, oh, to be like, clear, like it's so the company in general is moving in a more casual direction in its dress code. And what we are talking about is people who are in. I mean, we're I'm I'm very deep in the back office, as it were. Uh, sure, I mean, not sure. literally, like you know, I'm. <laughs> we're we're in an office. We're in a part of the company. Like our office is not public facing at all. Um, sure. We do not deal with the outside world face-to-face, and, you know, there are rules about what kind of jeans we can wear, too, but, like, we were already, you know, most of the floor, most of the guys on the floor were already in khakis and corduroy anyways. Sure, um, sure. The corduroy, by the way, I don't think is allowed, but I know somebody who was doing it. Hee-hee. <laughs> sure. Just, just no one pointed it out, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like, well, like, why will it be important again in October if it's not important now? You know, in the case of places like where I work, where it is a bunch of people who only see each other, I think it's more of like a, um, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a business culture placebo. Mm. You know, it's a sugar pill. Like, you're not actually going to be a professional because you put on khakis instead of putting on Daisy Dukes. Um, Mm -hmm. but in your case, I think that's absolutely true. I love you, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, but, uh, chances are we're going to act a little bit better and treat each other a little bit more with a little bit more decorum. If we are all dressed uh, above a certain minimum standard of biz, biz Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. So my rage is a tangent. (laughs) You have been listening to priority. Once again, for complete show notes, or if you'd like to send us feedback via email or subscribe to the show, visit us on the web at priority.fm. If you enjoyed the program today, please go to iTunes and leave us a positive rating and review, as that will help new listeners find the show. Also, if you're interested in getting updates or communicating with us via tweets, follow us on Twitter, where we are at PriorityFM. That's at P-R-I-O-R-I. T-Y-F-N. Thanks again for listening. Yeah, no, I really liked what you... um, You brought up from Uncontainable... And also, when I hear unwords now, I try to fit them into the theme song from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Um, Uncontainable. So. <laughs> it's a box, damn it. You put your stuff in it. Uncontainable. Oh, good it's job. A box, that was a good damn one. it. Yeah, I do what I can. This box is all strong as hell. Yeah, they really um, are. We got a trash can there on uh, yeah, Saturday. Yeah, I would think. I didn't know if it was. I didn't know if you were being sassy or if you were just like happy and excited that you bought a trash can. It's a really good trash can. Okay. I didn't two, know if you were being them, sassy or not. No. Okay. I put it on Pinterest. Cool. I'm never sassy on Pinterest. <laughs> you can't sass on Pinterest. That's a rule. Oh, my God. I think it's not painted on somebody's oh wall. King of social media sass. Um, <laughs> somebody somebody airbrushed it on their wall. And then oh, they my it. goodness. No sass. <laughs> Threw some glitter in the air. Um, 